Hello and welcome to the New Hope Church podcast. You're listening to our series, Next Level Family. Don't forget to check us out online at www.newhopechurch.tv. And we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy. Today, let's do this. Let's finish up our series that we have been in for the last two weeks called Next Level Family. First week out, we talked about next level men. Last week, we talked about next level women. Today, we're going to talk about raising next level kids. Um, This lesson today, if we apply this, it's going to outlive every one of us. This lesson is going to outlive every single one of us. The, 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 and if we get this right as parents and grandparents and, and, and aunts and uncles, uh, the reverberations will continue far beyond our lifetimes into the generations that come. Yes, I'm serious about this sermon, okay? So I want to get this right. I could just give you three points, tell a slightly touching story at the end and pray, and then we'd all go and find something to eat. But I want to do something different today. I want God to change the trajectory of families in our church today. Imagine, imagine your great grandkids holding strong to Jesus and leading their children and their children's children to do the same. You know, faith can be lost in a generation, but it can live on through many generations. And I pray that on our watch, the flame of faith in Jesus Christ only grows brighter in our families. Now, I remember this day like it was yesterday. Not my baby, not my baby, first of all. But I remember the day we left the hospital when our babies were born, okay? Uh, Wow, Uh, and if you've had a baby, then you, you know this feeling. It's like before that moment, when the baby's strapped in the car seat and you're putting the vehicle into drive, before that moment, you've had people all around you. You've had doctors and nurses and other people that I don't even know who they were coming in the, coming in the room and giving you things and helping you with things. And, and I know there was a lot because I saw it on the bill. But... <laughs> And and there's just tons of people around you. But this moment comes after your baby is born that they wheel your wife holding your child down to the front door in the drive-through of the hospital and you pull the vehicle up and you take the baby and you strap it in to the car seat and you help your wife get into the car and then the nurse does this. She takes the, she takes the, 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 uh, what's the wheelchair and she goes like this. and the doors close, and you're on your own. You remember that feeling? Like, a, like the first time I just wanted to yell, I'm not ready for this. Somebody needs to go with us. Please, somebody that knows something, go with us. And I juxtaposed that story with something else that happened near that time period in my life. I was gonna trim the tree in my front yard, and so I went to Home Depot and I rented a, a chainsaw on a stick. A 16-foot-long pole with a gas-powered chainsaw on the other end. One of the most dangerous tools known to mankind. I don't know who invented it. They're probably in jail (laughs) or living in a van down by the river because they got sued so many times. But you you would control it with a trigger down here. And and trim your trees and branches are falling and they got this blade twirling. and, And so before they would let me leave Home Depot with it. Before they let me go, I went in, I told them what I wanted, and the guy 
gave me a 25-minute lecture, on 25 minutes, on how to use the chainsaw on a stick. And then at the end of his lecture, after 25 minutes, I signed a piece of paper that held everybody harmless for what I was about to do, and then I walked out. Now, once again, I juxtaposed that story with this story right here, and there was nothing on the way out. <laughs> nothing. But having had three kids now, and they are all grown, I have come to understand that the best parenting guide is not something they give you in the drive-thru at the hospital. It's from this word right here. Our go-to source at this church, the absolute word of God. So if you're a new parent today, if you're a struggling parent, if you're an old-timey parent, if you're an empty nester, if you're an aunt, uncle, grandparent, if you're a teacher or a coach, somebody, somebody who has influence over kids in your life right now, God's got some good stuff for you in his word. Lord, empower us today with your word and teach us to raise up this next generation to the next level. Amen? So let me begin by saying this. This world is crazy. We talked about this in week one, how, you know, culture is gone off the deep end, you know, sexually in every other way. Um, it's kind of a free-for-all out there. But the question today is not, is culture crazy? Listen, culture is going to do what culture wants to do. The relevant question for us today is this. Is the church going to continue to be the church? Is the church going to be strong, continue to preach God's word? Will Christians continue to raise up their children to know Jesus Christ and his word without watering the word down in an attempt to appease culture? I pray so. Today I'm going to preach so. And I believe it's possible that even in the crazy world in which we live, that God can still change hearts and lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I got one word for you if you don't believe it. Kanye. That's been amazing to watch, I'll tell you. Because if you don't know Kanye at all, before he wasn't so Christian. And now the guy is on fire for the Lord. With his new album, Jesus is King, every song is now in the top 100, debuted at the top of the charts. It's been an amazing run. And here's the deal, he's preaching Jesus. And people who would never step foot in a church are hearing about Jesus Christ. And like the other night, he did, a, he did like, a, like a service. Over a 1,000 people accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. People that would never walk, a lot of them who would never walk through the door of a church. God is using this guy who was once not a good person to reach people for Jesus Christ. I'm just giving you that illustration to say, even in this culture in which we live, God can still do amazing things, amen? amen? And all the Christians are like, I don't know if it's real or not. He's preaching Jesus. He's preaching Jesus. Just fan those flames, man, and quit being a judge, amen? Okay, so there's hope for the next generation. The hope is the same hope it's always been. That is Jesus Christ. And today, if you want to help the next generation get to the next level and stay there, there's three things that I want you to think about today. First one is this. To raise next level kids, you got to get right and stay right with God first. Get right and stay right with God first. If you're a parent, you're the single biggest influence on your child's life. Use that influence that you have for the glory of God. But to get it right, to get it right, folks, you got to be right with God first. You cannot lead to a place where you're not going. And if you want your kids to get this right, then you got to make sure that you're getting it right. 
because you are an example for your kids. If, if you've flown on an airplane before, and I have yay many times, then you know that the flight attendant gives a little speech in the aisles, and part of that speech goes like this. They, they, they pick up this uh, oxygen mask, which mine's all tangled up here, but they pick up an oxygen mask, and they, they say something like this. Should we experience a change in cabin pressure during our flight, oxygen mask will drop down in front of your seat. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Put the strap around your head. Pull on the strap to tighten it. If you're traveling with small children, please make sure that you secure your own mask first before helping them, which is counterintuitive for parents because parents are like, I gotta save my baby. It's all about my baby and I'm putting my baby above me. I would give my life for my baby. Well, of course you would, praise God. But that's not the question. The, the question in this situation is what should you do first? And why would you put your mask on your own face first before putting it on your baby's face? The reason you take care of yourself first is because if you don't, you're not gonna have enough oxygen to get to your brain, you're gonna pass out and you're not gonna be able to help your baby. So you put your mask on first, you secure it first. And then and only then will you be able to help your baby. And on one flight, one flight, you can guess the airlines. They said, if you're traveling with two children, decide which one you love the most. And <laughs> we all know what airline that is. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Not true, but a lot of fun. Um, but the same thing, okay, you take care of yourself first here. The same thing is true spiritually as well. You cannot help your children secure their relationship with God if you have not secured your relationship with God first. You go first, all right? Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're gonna to be today. Start at verse six. It says this, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. The Lord disciplines the one he loves, which means if you are a child of God today, God is and has been and will continue to be working in your life, disciplining you. You are a pupil in the school of God's spirit and he's molding you and making you into a disciple or into a follower of Jesus. You cannot be a disciple without discipline. You cannot be a disciple without discipline. What does that mean for the big people in the house? Like your house, you're the one of the big people in the house. What does it mean for you? Revelation chapter three, Jesus said, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and do what? Repent, circle the word repent there. So here's what repent means. Repent means to, like you're going one way and you turn around and you change directions. Now you're going the other way. So you're headed, let's just say you're headed toward your own desires, you're doing your own thing, you're, you're following after your own sin, you've got some sin things going on, but you make the decision, I'm not gonna go my way anymore, I'm gonna go God's way. Acts chapter two, verse 38, not on your listening guide, Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. The people that are listening to him get convicted. They say, brothers, what must we do to be saved? Peter says, repent and be baptized, which baptism is an outward expression of what's happening on the inside that you're following Jesus now. He says, stop going your own way and start going God's way. We make the decision and it is, it's, it's just one move. We're not gonna go this way, we're gonna turn now and we're gonna follow Jesus Christ. And as a parent or a grandparent, listen, if you're going the wrong way in your life, if you're going the wrong way and you're telling your kids, hey, hey kids, go that way. Go that way. Go, hey, don't look at me. Go that, 
I'm, hey kids, I'm following Jesus. You might be saying the, wrong, the right thing, but they're watching the direction of your life. They're watching. They hear one thing, but they're seeing something else. Like if you say, hey, in our house, in our house, God is the most important thing. God is number one, no matter what. And then there's a 10% chance of rain on Sunday and you don't show up for church. Kids, we're not gonna go today because it might, it might rain. But God is number one, well, is God number one or not? Because you can, you can say the right thing, but they are seeing your actions. They know what you really believe. Now, why is this important? Aren't kids just supposed to do what we tell them? <laughs> you do what I, I'm the adult around here. You do what I tell you. Don't, don't do what I do, do what I say. Okay, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. John Maxwell says it this way. We teach what we know, we reproduce what we are. We teach what we know, we reproduce what we are. So if we want to raise next level kids, we don't just say, hey kids, hey kids, church is important. What we do is we get up and we're the first ones to rally them to the vehicle to get to church. We don't just say the Bible's important. We, we're the first ones to read it in the morning and we let our kids catch us reading it. We don't just say, hey kids, say your prayer before you go to bed. We go with them and we pray first. We don't just say, hey kids, you gotta love people. We look for neighbors who are in need, who are going through a tough time, and we as a family say, hey, we're gonna help our neighbor. They just had a loss in their family, we're gonna make them a meal, you help make some cookies, you write a note, we're gonna show love to our neighbors. Or, hey kids, you gotta forgive when someone does something to you that you don't like, you gotta forgive. And then a little while down the, the way when you're talking, you talk, you're talking about somebody, you say, I can never forgive them for what they do. No you demonstrate what you believe by doing the right thing first. And this is amazing, guys, that if you want your kids to be next level kids, the very first thing that needs to happen to them is not in them, it's in you, it's in you. You go first. You become a fully devoted follower, a next level person, first and then and only then can you lead your kids to be the same. Y'all still with me? Number two on your listening guide. To raise next level kids, create and lovingly enforce boundaries. Create and lovingly enforce boundaries. Put up boundaries in their lives, lines they should not cross, behaviors that will not be tolerated. You know what that's called? Being a good parent. Good parents know that saying no to their child is actually an act of love. But one of the issues that I see today in many parents is this. They, don't, they, they wanna be their kid's best friend. They wanna be their kid's best friend and not really their parent. Listen to me now, moms, dads, listen to me. Get your own friends. <laughs> While your kids are growing up in your house, they don't need you to be their friend. You can be their friend someday, like when they leave home, that's a beautiful thing to become a friend with your kid. But while they're in, their, in your home, they don't need you as a friend. They have their own friends. You have your friends. You need to be a parent for them. The best example that we have of a good parent is always our Heavenly Father, and He disciplines us. He is our parent. But His discipline is always, always, 100% of the time, even when it doesn't feel like it, His discipline is because of His love for us. It's never in anger. It's always in love. He's not trying to wreck us. He's trying to repair us. He's not trying to eradicate us. He's trying to elevate us to the next level. Hebrews chapter 12, verse six, again with a little bit more. 
The Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. He, he, I want you to circle the word loves here. If he loves you, you're gonna be chastened. Like, uh, we've, all, we've all seen this. There, there are a lot of parents that they equate love, or they equate discipline with anger. They don't equate discipline with love, they equate discipline with anger. And, and so when they discipline, they feel like they have to be mad about it. And you've seen it happen. There'll be a parent, they'll be like, hey, 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 honey, honey, put that down. Yeah, put it, hey, uh, hey, 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 put it, put it, put it down. You need to put it down, okay? Hey, sweetie, 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 come put that, put it down. Come on now, put it down. Are you, are you hearing me? Put it down, put it down. They're so sweet and kind and gentle, but then there's just like the switch just flips and they're like, you rotten brat, you know. Come here, smack, 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 you know? And a lot of people would look at that situation and say, that's a bad kid. Actually, that's a kid being a kid. The question is not, will kids be kids? Absolutely, 100% yes every time. Kids will be kids. The question is, will parents be parents? Now, I can't read people's motives, so I'm going to guess on this, but I guess that many parents do equate discipline with anger, and so they don't want to discipline until they get angry. And so their strategy is this. They hope, they hope, they hope that their kids will do the right thing, and then when hope does not work, they flip the switch of anger, they get mad at their kids, and then discipline them. And if that's you today, I got bad news for you in church. Your kid owns you. They're owning you. They got your number. They know how many times that you're going to ask them to do something before they lose it, before, before you lose it. They know how, many, how, how loud your voice is going to be before you have to take them serious. They have got your number. Uh, uh, I, I know you've seen this. There'll be a kid that's like throwing a fit at his parents' feet, be rolling around, yelling, acting like it's crying, and you know they're faking. And so you're sitting there watching it, and the parent is like, I can't believe that he or she acts like this. The, the, babysitter, the babysitter said that he's perfect. Teachers send home glowing reports. He's never done this, but he, <laughs> he does it all the time with me. Why? I'm going to tell you why. He's got your number. He's got your number. So what do you do with that? You become the parent again. Here's how. On your listening guide real quick. Boundaries and discipline, letter A, clearly state the expectations. So you just tell your kids, here's, here's how we're going to do things, and, and if you don't do them this way or if you cross this line, there's going to be some consequences that go along with that. So you clearly state the expectations. Then if and when they cross the line, let's just say when they cross the line, letter B, give a verbal warning with a reminder of the consequences. So the first time they cross the line, they get a warning. Hey, hey, I saw what you did. Remember, if you do this, and you have to balance this because there's some things that they need to have some consequences for right away. Like if they burn the house down, <laughs> that's kind of a tough conversation in the front yard. If you burn the house down again, <laughs> I'm going to take away your phone. That's all. 
So obviously right size that, but most of the time, a little grace the first time they cross the line is not a bad thing here. Then let her see if they cross the line again without anger, without anger, without anger, follow through with the discipline. Without anger, follow through with the discipline. So the first infraction, grace. Second time, consequences. You know, you know where I got that? Right here. This is my Bible, if you don't know. I got it right here. When the first time Jesus came, he came in grace. First time he came, he's all love. Second time he comes, the Bible says, whoa, he's coming in power. And he's coming as a judge. So we got some time to get this right. And we need to get it right as soon as we can, okay? First time with grace. Second time in judgment. So when you show up the first time, it's okay to give a little bit of grace. Second time is when the discipline happens. And when the discipline happens then, letter D, tell them you love them. And this is important to physically interact with them with a, a nice hug. Give them a hug. So you've disciplined them. You've taken away their phone, whatever. Put them in timeout for, for a while, whatever. Now they get a little bit of physical interaction with you. So they know, they can sense that you still really care about them. Now, some of you may be playing catch up because your kids are so used to you getting mad before you discipline that the first time that you discipline them without being mad, it's gonna freak them out. Like they'll be like, dad or mom just grounded me for the whole weekend and, and they were smiling. And <laughs> I think something's wrong, you know. So it's gonna freak him out a little bit, but I've told you this before and I've spoken about, uh, spoken about discipline. Your kids love to take you to drama town. Don't go to drama town with them. You don't have to. You can stay in Saneville. Don't go to, don't go to drama town, stay in adult world with them, you know, and keep your sanity in the process. They like the drama because even though they're getting in trouble, they're controlling you. So it's time for the parent to be the parent again and rise above it. And if your discipline is mixed with anger, then you're sending mixed messages. When, when your anger drives the discipline, like you don't make your kids do the right thing until you're mad, here's what ends up happening. We yell too loud, we spank too hard, we ground for too long, we uh, say things that hurt our kids' feelings long-term, don't go to anger. When you discipline, discipline with love, without anger. And I would say to the dads also, dads especially, choose your battles carefully. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Seriously, if you followed your kid around, you could probably get on them every 30 seconds, right, for something. Yeah, don't, don't put your foot on that, you know, just, just constantly. Put that down while you're getting, you're gonna poke your eye out, you know, just constantly on them. It's like if a police officer followed us around all day today, driving around in our cars, every single one of us would have a ticket. Every single one of us. Because you drive a mile over the speed limit, that's, that's against the law. You didn't come to an absolute complete stop at the stop sign, that's against the law. You changed lanes and didn't turn on your turn signal in time, that's against the law. Your headlights kind of wonky, that's against the law. And a, some of you should be pulled over before you leave the church parking lot today, I gotta say that. <laughs> but a police officer could do that, and it'd be within their rights to do so, and parents could discipline every 30 seconds, 24 seven, 
365, but that's going to exasperate our children, especially if fathers do it. Because fathers have the ability to literally crush the heart of their, their kids when they're on them every waking hour. There's a difference between the security blanket that loving discipline provides and a straight jacket where you're squeezing the life out of them. Discipline, yes, but discipline with love. Amen? Then number three. To raise next level kids, let them fail and help them get back up. Let them fail and then help them get back up. Do not keep them from failing, but when they fail, help them to see the lessons that God is trying to teach them in that failure. Newsflash, God is using other people in other circumstances beyond your control to help shape your child into the person that they had planned that they could become. He wants that for them. And sometimes parents ruin it. Parents ruin it because their kid never feels any pain. And when the pain starts to approach, then it's the teacher's fault. It's the coach's fault. It's the youth pastor's fault. It's the police officer's fault, but it's never their kid's fault. And too many parents are blocking God's gift of discipline for their child's life. And even though that feels loving, like I'm protecting my child, it's actually the opposite. We have a term for that nowadays. It's called helicopter parenting. And a lot of parents do it, but it brings about a lot of problems in the kids' lives. There are many studies out there. This is like an article that did a compilation of uh, five different studies. Check this out. Helicopter kids, that means kids that were raised by helicopter parents that did too much for them. Helicopter kids, a study from, the, uh, from Florida State University found helicopter kids are more likely to have health issues in adulthood. They found that most helicopter kids never learned how to manage their own health because their parents did everything for them. They told them when to go to sleep, when to get up, what, uh, what to, when to exercise, how much to exercise, what exactly to eat was portioned out for them. Studies show that in the absence of those constant reminders and mom and dad doing it for them, helicopter kids don't know how to care for their own bodies. Secondly, researchers from the University of Arizona found the helicopter kids grow up feeling entitled, duh. Helicopter parents dote on their kids so much that the youngsters tend to think that they're the center of the universe. And that notion that they're extra, extra special doesn't go away when they turn 18. Other studies consistently link a sense of entitlement to chronic disappointment and ongoing suffering in life. Another one, helicopter kids grow up without learning how to regulate their emotions because their parents did it for them. If they were sad, their parents cheered them up. If they were angry, their parents calmed them down. This lack of emotional regulation skills becomes a big problem when they leave the nest. A study by researchers at the University of Mary Washington in Virginia found college students who were raised by helicopter parents are more likely to be depressed and report lower satisfaction with their lives overall. That's not all, there's more. Helicopter kids tend to rely on medication because parents shielded them from pain and prevented them from dealing with hardships and failures. Helicopter kids aren't used to tolerating discomfort. In addition, they're, they're used to immediate gratification. That may explain why they're quick to reach for medication. They want their pain resolved, they want it gone now. A study conducted by researchers at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga found that college students whose parents hovered were more likely to take medication and recreationally consume pain pills. Last one, they lack self-regulation skills. Helicopter kids don't 
grow up with as much free time as other kids. Their environments are usually highly structured and their time closely regulated. Without opportunities to practice managing themselves, they lack the skills necessary to reach their goals. A 2014 study from the University of Colorado found that adults who grew up with helicopter parents were less likely to possess the mental control and motivation they need to succeed. Other studies have drawn similar conclusions. Helicopter kids grow up to procrastinate, they lack initiative and motivation that is needed in life to succeed. What's the answer? I got the answer for you. Let them fail. While they're at your house, let them experience pain of their choices. And then in the middle of the pain, help them to see that God has a plan for them. Help them to look to God. So help them back up, yes, but don't keep them from following, falling. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. So when, when, when a kid leaves the nest and God is hemming them in through discipline, and this is something they can learn while they're in the nest. That God is large and in charge. And he's watching over them. And he's trying to protect them. And so he is putting up some barriers in their lives that if they cross, there are going to be some consequences. Knowing that there's somebody even beyond your mom and dad builds a sense of security in you. It helps you to be able to make it in this life. In fact, not on your listening guide, but it makes sense. God's discipline, same thing as God's love. God's love brings security. Security in God's love produces stable, confident kids. Listen to me now. Do not steal, do not steal the lessons that God is trying to teach your child. Like when they don't study for a test and they bomb the test. Or when they get benched for the ball game because they showed up late for practice that week. Or when the boss writes them up because at their work they were late three or four or five times this past month. Or when the police department calls up and says, we got your kid down here and we'd like to let him sit for a couple of hours just so that he can feel the gravity of this situation, but it's your kid, it's your call. Our gut reaction is, I'm gonna go save my kid. But I want you to know something, God, God loves your kid more than you, believe it or not. And he's doing a work in their lives. And someday, someday, when your child is given a testimony in their adulthood, when they're given a testimony, it's not, they're not gonna be able, they're not gonna say, you know, life was always easy for me, I got everything I wanted, never made a bad grade, succeeded in everything I tried, made the team, made the touchdown, did everything right, got every promotion, no. The greatest life lessons that God will have taught your kid will be when your kid is in the valley. And your job as a parent is not to shield them from that pain. It's to help them learn in the middle of the pain what God's plan for them is. You guys okay? You guys okay? Verse 9. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? Our earthly dads disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may, may, that we may share in his holiness, may share meaning something good is coming in the future. 
But if you've got kids at home right now, let me tell you something. There'll be tough times. There'll be tough times. There'll be times of pain in your house. That's, that's just part of the deal. Um, they're going to do some things. They're going to say some things. That's not going to be fun. But there will be a day when they walk out of your door for the last time as a resident of your household. They're going to spread their wings. and They're going to fly away. So what do you do when that day comes? You never speak of the hard times again. You let it go. Did they make bad choices and break your heart while they were home? Oh, yeah. Did they say some things that really hurt you to the core? As a Absolutely. What do you do with that? You let it go. You let it go. That's what parents do. You say, prove that. God sent his only begotten son to die in your place. He took away your sins. He threw them in the deepest part of the ocean. He removed them as far as the east is from the west. He, the Bible says he chooses to remember your sins no more. He's made a conscious choice to not bring your sins up to you again. That's what the devil does. The devil's the accuser. Don't be like the devil with your kids. Be like the Lord and give them grace. Give them grace. And man, when they comprehend God's love for them, which is a tough love sometimes, through the love that you have for them, God's gonna do something awesome in them and you will then be, boom, a next level family. You can get there. Where do we start? Right here. You go first. You go first. And today, if you have not secured your relationship with God, if you have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior at all of our campuses, there will be prayer partners down at the front of the room. Come and see him before you go. Or if you need prayer for anything, come. The prayer partners will pray for you. All of our campuses, let's stand, please. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for being such a good parent to us. I pray, God, that as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, coaches, teachers, anybody here who has influence over little ones, that we could do our best to model your love, your grace to the next generation. This world needs it. Our kids, our grandkids can get it. Help us to do our part, Lord. We pray all this in your son's name. And all the people said, God bless, guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.